With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis.com podcast. Thank you for your patience. Uh, I'm back here with Steve Tigner. We are catching up right in time for what I would consider to be the, uh, the unveiling of the clay season. There have been a couple events in the U.S., both in the men's and women's tours, but, you know, when you get to Monte Carlo and the, and the red clay, perhaps... Would you even say the the best looking clay event, Steve? It does feel like the season's arrived. Yeah, I think this is the one. You know, everyone really wants to go to. It's the one that looks the best on on TV. And um, you know, we have sort of move over there slowly. You have green clay in Charleston, then you have a clay tournament in Texas, and but really don't you know? It doesn't feel like you know this season starts or spring starts in tennis until until now until until Monte Carlo. And this is still the tournament, uh, if memory serves, the, the one that you want to go to the, that you have not been able to attend. Uh, we, we couldn't roll enough pennies for you to get over there. Is that correct? Yeah. This is the one. I Yeah, this is the one Masters, um, Euro Masters that I have been to. And I, mean, I think like anybody else, it's hard to resist the idea of going when you see it every year on TV. But um, I guess it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really have the – the um, it's not quite as important as maybe it once was. It's also it's not dual gender. It's not really officially a mandatory Masters anymore. That was knocked off. So I guess there's slightly less reason, you know, playing wise, tennis wise, to to go to that tournament. Yeah, I mean, the, you're you're right. This this was a Masters event that sort of was a victim of the calendar restructuring, I believe, when Hamburg was moved um, a couple of years back and. And you're right, it, it it sort of got grandfathered, I suppose, it's Masters 1000 tiering level, and you're, you're right, in a way, it, it does live off its reputation to some degree, but, you know, now this year, for example, you have Federer's back after two-year absence, and, and as we saw last year, you know, with the, with the ending of Nadal's eight-year winning streak by Djokovic, I mean, this event really does still have that cachet, and I... And, you know, even though Madrid, of course, is, is kind of this sort of the new kid on the block that, you know, in all likelihood will surpass Rome and this in terms of, I think, the overall value of the tournament. I mean, these historic events are, in my mind, you know, what makes this part of the season so special. Yeah, um, this tournament this year, you know, you're always going to have Rafa because this is his favorite tournament. You'll probably always have Novak because as a – you know, part-time citizen of Monte Carlo, he's encouraged to play the tournament. And this year, you had for the first time in in three years, we have Federer, 
the person who's missing in the switches. We we get Federer this year, but we're missing Andy Murray who who isn't playing this time. Oh well, it, it's uh, it's like Tiger missing from the Masters, I guess. Murray missing from uh, from Monaco here. I think we'll survive um, without his without his um, his yelling. But um, let's let's pick right up on on Nadal and Djokovic. You just mentioned there. Now, Ice had sort of wondered. You know, you put out your preview today. You go with Djokovic for the win. You know, I think, you know, any of these predictions are, you know, just sort of random. You know, they can go any any which way. I want to focus a little less on that and talk about, you know, I had wondered whether the clay court season is, without any exceptions, sort of this reset button for Rafa, even considering, you know, his really lopsided loss in Miami to Djokovic and Djokovic's month of March altogether where we saw, you know, the player that I think we've known for a little while. I mean, do you put these two really at pretty much even odds heading into this event? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, we know Nadal's won it eight times and Djokovic beat him last year. Uh, Djokovic has been, you know, Nadal's number one, but Djokovic has been better, has won their last three matches. Um so all of those things put together, you also add in Nadal has been dominant on clay for so long, but Djokovic, this is really the season where he wants to, to do the best. This is where his big goals are. So I think you put all those together. I don't think there's much that really separates them or at least at the moment would, would lead anyone to realistically have a, you know, have a real reason for favoring one over the other. How about the how about the specific uh, type of clay on Monte Carlo? We always hear about you know clay clay and the conditions differ from event to event. In particular, you know like a natural surface like clay. Here. I mean, obviously it, it favors Rafa very well, considering how well he's done over the years. I mean, how does this how does the service play to Djokovic's game? Maybe should we talk about? Well, he's. He's probably the, you know, one of the guys, one of the, maybe more than any of the top guys has had the smoothest transition from one to the other. Federer's obviously had success on clay, but I really don't think it's, it works to his advantage um, as much as it does Djokovic, or I feel like Djokovic's game's better suited to, for, for the transition from hard courts to clay courts. Sort of, it sort of sits in the middle. He can play defense. Um, and uses two-hander for defense on clay, and he can he can pretty much do the same. You know, he can pretty much play the same way on hard courts as he does on clay, and I think that's I think that's more true for him than anyone else. How about yes? You just mentioned players being able to play the same way they do on hard and clay. You know, when I think of Roger Federer and think of his history, you know, of over the last really almost a decade now um you know it does seem like you know he he is compelled to play a, a different game than what we see from him on faster surfaces when he gets to clay now so much of that has been in response to nadal and and you know this monte carlo is one of the few tournaments of great significance that Federer has been unable to win it's been almost all because of nadal um, you know, what do you expect from Roger really this entire clay season? Because I think 
coming out of the first three months of the year. I, I'm not sure whether a lot of people would have guessed that this is where we find Federer at right now, and in, in, in a, in a I think a very good state from him, and he's had you know obviously some fantastic results thus far. Um, yeah, he's yeah he's definitely it's definitely a surprise that he is starting the Monte Carlo. He hadn't played it the last two years, hasn't played it three of the last four years. He already added something to his schedule, Davis Cup. He just came is coming off a long weekend of um, Davis Cup, and I don't think anyone, th- you know, I don't think. Anyone, I think people would would say that he's would be more driven by the chance to win Wimbledon than to win the French Open. So all of that comes as, makes this a surprise that he would. I would assume for somebody who's been around as long as he has and has had some of the physical problems he's had in the last year, that he would um, that he would play this event. But he's obviously you know he feels good. There's a lot of ranking points out there here, and um, so I, I guess you know he doesn't want to. Doesn't want to wait to get started. In the past, he's waited until Madrid, and you know maybe he feels that's that that's that hurts him in another way by getting by starting too late in the clay season. How about Roger's buddy Stan, who has had uh, who started the year on fire, of course, taking the Australian Open, clearing that hurdle, that that almost insurmountable hurdle that we've talked about over the last few years in, in regards to the competition in the men's game. But since then has had, I would, I would say, a very disappointing follow-up to that, um, you know, not only at Indian Wells in Miami, but, you know, he almost really threw a, a wrench into this, uh, this Swiss Davis Cup, uh, you know, run to the final that seemed almost predestined when, uh, when Roger, you know, and him teamed up for this. Um, you know, for Ravrinka, I know you've mentioned a lot that you think he will be able to uh, that coming back to Europe and getting onto clay, which he's he's done well on in the past, will you know I think get him back on track a little bit. Um, you know, maybe maybe some of your thoughts on that. And really, you know, do you think Ravrinka? You think it's a big disappointment if Ravrinka doesn't follow up this huge Grand Slam title with some with a really strong season, top to bottom? Um, yeah, I've been. I had sort of thought that maybe he would he would struggle in the hard courts at the in the U.S. just because it was coming pretty much right after this big win that he might have a couple of disappointing losses, but that he would get it back together by the time when. He, he was in Europe and he would be a threat again. I we'll see about the second part. You know, it could be that that the disappointing results will continue. But one thing in Monte Carlo has a good draw. It was I picked the four semifinals and I I'm not particularly sure about Vavrinka's form or but it's hard to pick against him um looking at looking at his draw. Um but would it be a huge disappointment if he didn't Follow up, yeah, I think it would be because we've been waiting for somebody for a while to break through, to beat one of the big four, to 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 win a Grand Slam. Um, one of those guys, Del Potro, did it and immediately got hurt. And now, if you see Vavrinka sort of go back to sort of slide back into some inconsistent results, uh, you know, I think that would be disappointing as far as seeing new faces at the top of the sport. You know, of of any Masters event and of any, you know, big clay event, certainly where, you know, we could potentially see, a, you know, another new face emerge, 
you know, make their way toward the weekend. Um, Monte Carlo would actually strike me as, as one of the events that could. It's not only, you know, early on the clay season where, you know, perhaps the, the biggest names haven't found their footing on, on the surface, but it also is event. It's, it's only 64 players in the draw. It's only 64 slots in the draw, I should say. And, um, and you know, the top 16 players receive buys. So you're giving buys to a 25% of the field, a huge number, you know, com- when you compare this event to Rome or Madrid, you know, there's, there's, there's about half as many buys. And so this event, you know, feels like an event that if things went a particular player's way, you know, they could do very well. There's, you know, you only have to win, you know, five matches to win this event, which is a tall order, of course, but it, it's much less than many other events of, of this magnitude. Um, is there anybody else that you're looking at in particular for this event? Um, yeah, I think you can, it's true in that you can pretty quickly find yourself in the quarterfinals. Um, and, you know, without, with just a couple of wins. Um, one player who's interesting, I suppose, is Tomas Burdich, who he beat, he's in Djokovic, he would play Djokovic in the quarters. He beat Djokovic last year in Rome on clay. Um, another guy is Roberto Batista Agut, Spanish player who's had some really good results this year. He beat Del Potra in Australia. He won easily this morning. Um, he plays Fognini next. I think both of those guys seem like guys who, who could potentially go pretty far in this tournament, but they'll play in the next, in the next round. And then you have to think of um, Grigor Dimitrov, who is in Nadal's quarter, and he pushed Nadal 6-4 in the third year last year. He would have a, he has a potential third-round matchup against David Ferrer. I think that would be a pretty interesting match in that Ferrer has come down a little this year. Dimitrov has improved a little this year. That, you know, that would, would tell us something about there, about where they are right now. So, though, you know, it's definitely a place where people can find themselves in the semifinals, quarterfinals, without too much trouble, but then... Historically, you know, it's been Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic who, who have who have played in the finals. And I'm just going to look up something right now. I was just, I was just trying to think of uh, you know it, it's about this time of year where the annual call about Americans on clay um, you know rears its head. And thinking over the draw now, I've confirmed that there is not a single American in this draw. Uh, I got thinking about that only because you didn't mention. Joe Wilfried Sanga just a minute ago, and I'm glad you didn't because it was you know, in Davis Cup actually a couple of years ago where France hosted the States in Monaco, and um, they did not do too well there. So, But yet again, we have another um, American-less um, entry list into the Monte Carlo Masters. So it's always you know, something to... Uh, some to keep in mind there. You know, most are down in, uh, down in Houston beforehand. Um, and you know, with that, I think we will, you know, the the major matches won't get started till Wednesday. You'll be seeing Monte Carlo um, on tennis channel pretty much from wall to wall, and uh, we'll have a lot here from Steve, from Richard Pagliaro throughout the week covering the first clay court Masters of 2014. Uh, with that, Steve, thank you, and we'll get back be back on the podcast later on. Thank you for listening to Tennis.com. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. Tennis.com.